Well, we are wrapping up our series called Dangerous Prayers today. Uh, Craig Rochelle came out with a book entitled Dangerous Prayers last year, and it, man, it captured my imagination because it challenges us to pray bold, confident prayers. And so whether you're here in person or join us online, the first point of my outline in here is exactly that, that God, today I want to remind us that God wants us to pray bold, confident prayers. Listen to Hebrews 4.16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we'll, find, there we'll receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I need mercy. I need grace. I want to pray boldly. A couple of years ago, there was a couple uh, who was a part of our church for a year. Uh, the husband uh, was stationed at Maxwell. They were from the Philippines, and he was an international officer being trained in the officer training school there. And, man, they got involved in our church, and they could pray. I remember one time they came and prayed with me and Debbie at my office, my wife Debbie. And as we were praying, I mean, you know, I expect people to come and say, hey, I want to pray with you, and they'll pray about a few things. I mean, when they got to praying, it was something. They were praying promises of Scripture. They were praying for our church. They were praying for you. They were praying for me. They were praying for God's Holy Spirit to fill this place and that we would be a praying church. And man, I mean, I'm thinking we're going to pray for a few minutes. We prayed for an hour and they were working up a sweat. I mean, it was good prayer. And Debbie and I both left that thing going, we need to take our praying to a whole nother level. That's been the idea of this book. I hope it's challenged you to take your praying to a whole nother level. This isn't just a series that we want to forget about. This is about, hey, I want to be a person who prays dangerous prayers my whole life. And by dangerous, I mean prayers that are going to stretch me. Not just things I'm asking God to do for me, but things I'm asking God to do in me. And today, there's a few things I haven't been able to cover yet in this series that I want to make sure we understand. And it's a story right out of the New Testament where we're going to Read about a first century prayer meeting, some Christians who lived in Jerusalem, and how um, God worked in their lives and how God answered a prayer that was prayed by a group of Christians, ordinary people just like you and me. And it's a, there's some great lessons here that will remind us of some important things so we can keep this going on. I'm glad to be with you today. And today we're going to pray another dangerous prayer and that God's going to use this message to stretch us right now. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you that we can come to you. I thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. We can understand how people prayed in the early church. It was written down for us. And today we want to learn. And God, we're going to pray a dangerous prayer right now. Lord, would you stretch us? Would you open our eyes to things that we, can, that we need to change in our lives? Would you open our eyes to things we need to do more of? And would you give us the desire and the power to do what pleases you. Whatever it is, Lord, we're praying these things now in the name of Jesus. Move me out of the way. Say whatever you want said to us, Lord. Amen. Well, today we're going to look at a story from Acts chapter 12. There are four lessons we can learn. Here's how it starts out. This is Acts 12 verse 1. It was about that time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. This is a couple of years after Jesus has been um, after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. Okay? It was about that time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, one of the disciples, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. 
And this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread followed by Passover, that was something that every year the Jews would get together and have a big celebration around Passover, a lot the same way we do um, at Christmas or at Thanksgiving, uh, the time to get together with family. And, it was, uh, and Herod didn't want to execute somebody during that time, but he did want to score political points by getting rid of these uh, by getting rid of Peter because he was leader of the Christian movement. And not only had it pleased the Jews to get rid of Jesus, they wanted to get rid of the disciples too. And Peter was the, the leader. And it would be really good if they got rid of him. And so he was arrested sometime the week before the Passover. And so this would have been for several days now. People got together and they prayed. And they prayed that Peter would somehow be released from this because they needed his leadership. And they were earnestly praying to the Lord. In fact, that's the first point. If you and I want to have dangerous prayers that amount to things we want to pray boldly, then we need to pray earnestly. Earnestly. Earnestly, you could write beside that, focused prayers. Intentional prayers. Or not multitasking while we pray prayers. Okay, sometimes people ask me, is it important that I fold my hands and close my eyes while I pray? I go, you don't have to pray that way. You can pray with your eyes open and your hands free, but it's really hard to text with your hands folded and your eyes closed. It's just hard to text on the phone. And that's what we're talking about. We live in a day when we're so distracted. We're constantly, you'd be in the middle of a conversation and phone goes off and people are not even paying attention. The other night, my wife was talking to me and I was answering something, and she goes, are you paying attention to me? I go, yeah, could you just repeat the last two minutes of what you said? Other than that, I'm really good. Um, That doesn't go over well when we have conversations like that. Any other husbands relate to me? Okay, I'm the only one. Okay, good. Anyway, look, it's true in human relationships. It's true in our relationship with God. Only difference is when I'm speaking to God, I am speaking to the creator God of the universe. That verse we read a little bit ago was, we're boldly approaching the throne of heaven. And we need to pray earnestly. Peter was in prison. He was going to die. They needed him. God, please rescue him. No distracted prayers. God, help him. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Could we read that verse out loud together, please? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I want to remind us again that God answers prayer. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? Amen. It's true. Then why would we just kind of play around with it? Be casual, sipping some coffee, checking stuff while we're praying with it? No, let's focus. Let's pray. Jesus even told his disciples, hey, when you want to pray, go to the room, close the door, tell your father what you need. You don't have to pray long prayers. You just have to pray focused prayers. To be earnest also means we don't give up. Listen to this story. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show they should always pray and never give up. Never give up. Can we say those three words together, please? Never give up. 
They prayed for days about this. I don't know how many days. It was sometime in the week before. It could have been three days, four days, five days. But they prayed and they prayed and they said, God, save Peter. Rescue him. Jesus, and they would have remembered this story that Jesus told. Jesus said, there would look, there was a judge in a certain city who neither, neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Well, the judge ignored her for a while. Uh, but finally he said to himself, look, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. And then the Lord said, now learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he'll grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who even have faith, who even continue to pray? Hmm. Now, don't misunderstand this story. God is not an unjust judge, and you have to bug him to do the right thing. He's saying it's the extreme example on the other side. If even a person like that will do the right thing if you just keep after him, then think how much sooner God will hear your prayers if you just don't give up. I mean, to pray a dangerous prayer means, God, I want you to search me. I want you to break me. I want you to send me. We've talked about these over the last three weeks. Well, sometimes the time between when he searches us and breaks us and sends us, that might be months or years because he's working on us each step of the way. But will we trust him? Or do we just quit when it doesn't happen in a day or two? He says, will I find anybody actually praying? They kept praying for days. They said, oh, Lord, hear us. And what's important, not only did they pray earnestly, but they prayed to the God of the Bible. And you hear me say this every time I'm talking about a message here. The Bible's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. That's why every um, passage you're, you're reading here is from the Bible. This is God's Word. God has revealed Himself to us. We didn't discover Him. We didn't vote on Him. This is who God has revealed Himself to be. And you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that God loves us. He loves us so much He sent His own Son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. The God who tells us what sins are and what his standards are also tells us he understands how weak we are and that we can't obey them on our own. The Bible tells us that not only did God pay the penalty for our sins, but to all who come to him and confess our sins to him, he'll give us not only eternal life, but new life now. He'll put his Holy Spirit inside of us and he'll change us from the inside out. He'll give us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. While we live in this world, and he's transforming us from the inside out, making us a little bit more like Jesus every day. That's why we're praying these dangerous prayers. Because God can search us. He can break us of all these sinful habits and wrong thinking and all this that don't honor him and don't give us an abundant life. He wants to get rid of all that so we can have abundant life both in this world and eternal life with him in the next. He's adopted us into his own family. He says, I want you to come to me. I don't want you to trust me. Well, that's what these early Christians believed. They had seen Jesus die on the cross. They knew he had 
risen from the dead. Many of them probably saw him after he'd risen. So not only did they see him do miracles while he was alive, they saw him conquer death. So when they prayed, they were praying to a real God who does real miracles. Now I say all this because we live in a time now where people are fashioning their own understanding of God. Well, you don't have to believe what's in the Bible. You can believe whatever you want to believe. Well, if you pray to a God like that, I don't know whether that God answers prayer. If he doesn't stand for the things that the God of the Bible stands for, if he didn't die on the cross for our sins because he didn't need to, because everybody's going to heaven anyway, which is what a lot of people believe, well, then why would I pray that he would break me of sins if they don't matter? And there, I talked to somebody the other day. They said, I just, you know, I just don't believe in heaven or hell. Well, okay, well, then you don't need to pray about heaven or hell. You certainly don't need to be sent to be a witness to warn people of it, because if it's not going to happen, why would we warn people about it? And the question is, if this is true, and I'm telling you it is, and the God who loves us so much to send his own son to rescue us from the penalty of sin, well, then I want to be free to go wherever he sends me so I can rescue other people too. Then search me, break me, send me makes sense. But if you can believe whatever you want, it doesn't. Just do what you're doing. It doesn't matter. Listen to what the scripture, scripture warns us about this. Paul wrote this to Timothy. He said, look, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires. They'll look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll reject the truth. They'll chase after myths. There is no God. God doesn't care about the things that we do in our lives. There is no heaven. There is no hell. God didn't create this world. It all happened by accident. I mean, why would I pray to God to change me if he never made me. He doesn't know anything about me. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he knit me together in my mother's womb. He knows everything about me. And he loves me. He knows how wicked I am, and he sent his son to die on the cross for me anyway. 2 Timothy 3. People be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Oh, they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny its power. Have nothing to do with such people. There's no power in praying to imaginary gods because imaginary gods don't exist. I'm not encouraging you to pray to imaginary God that's of our own making. I am encouraging you and me to pray to the God of the Bible who made us. I'm encouraging you to pray to the God of heaven who knows your name, knows every hair on your head, knows everything you've done, and loves you, has a plan for you. And if you and I are willing to ask him to search us and break us and send us, he will, and he's going to take us to a whole other level of understanding of what life is and who he is than we ever would experience on our own, but we have to trust him. And we have to pray to a real God. They prayed earnestly. They prayed to the God of the Bible. They didn't give up. And great things happened. Listen to what happened. This is Acts 12, verse 6. We're jumping back in the story again. 
So the night before Peter was placed on trial, the Passover's over now, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. One, one stood guard at the prison gate, and suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter, and the angel struck him on the side to wake him up. And he said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. And then the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. And they passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city and opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and they started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. And Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. And when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. Even though they've been praying for days, it's now the 11th hour. The next morning is when the trial's going to happen. They were still praying. They didn't give up. And one of the things you and I need to do when we want to pray earnestly, if we want to keep on praying dangerous prayers, we need to pray together. We need to pray together. Because I get discouraged, and when I pray with you, you can encourage me. Man, when I prayed with that couple from the Philippines, when Debbie and I did, they greatly encouraged us. We got together with them a number of times and prayed with them every time. I was going, man, I love praying with these people. These people walk into the throne room of heaven with a check, and they want it cashed. I love that. I want to pray that way. I want to pray bold, confident prayers. And when I get around other people, I go, I can do this. Some of you have been praying with me for the last 21 days. We've been doing 21 days of prayer on Facebook and on YouTube, and it's on our website. And you can go back and review them now if you want to. They're all there. But if you'll take a few minutes and pray, some of you have written me and you've said, man, John, when I pray with you, you said some things that I wanted to say. I just didn't have the words for them. I go, I mean, that's, that's the idea. Same thing happens to me when I pray with some people. They have words like, oh, that's what I wanted to pray. I didn't even know what to say. That's it, Lord. Oh, I'm writing that down. We can encourage each other. And this is also when we have some great accountability, too, because sometimes we say in our world, yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for that. And then we don't. But man, when we're together, we're going to pray for it right now. Right now. And what's great is, the God of heaven never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's available to us 24 hours a day. And he loves it when his children come together and pray. It also strengthens our relationship. When I pray with my wife and when I pray with my kids, I learn what they're thinking about things. There's things they express to God they've never expressed to me. And the same the other way around. And it brings us closer together. Oh, and Jesus was clear on this. He told his disciples in Matthew 18, he was telling them, hey, when you have a big conflict, you're not sure to ha how to handle it, you need to pray about this. And he said, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I'm there among them. Does it mean God doesn't hear our prayers if we're alone? Of course not. He told his disciples to pray when they're by themselves. But he also said, but when you pray together, you can rest assured I'm there listening. I love it when my kids get together and pray. I love it. I'll be there. And you guys agree, 
And by the way, I want to make sure we understand this. The word amen simply means I agree. It's from that verse. Amen does not mean signing off now. Bye, God. See you later. That's not what amen means. If you think it means goodbye, that would make no sense because God never leaves. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. When you stop praying, it's not like he walks out the door. He's everywhere. So it would make no sense to say goodbye to God. Bye, God. Oh, there you are. Okay, he's right here. That would make zero sense. We don't say goodbye. I'm not saying goodbye at all. I'm saying I agree. When Debbie prays about something that's my heart, I go, man, I agree with her. Amen. I agree. That's why a lot of times in the middle of a message, I'm saying, hey, say amen with that, if you agree with that. So I'd remind us right now that God is open 24-7. He never sleeps or never slumbers. He knows our situation better than we do. He knows the right answer to every prayer we're going to pray. And if that's good news to you today, would you say, I agree? agree. Well said. Amen. That's all it means. And it's a wonderful thing. And it's such good news that God hears us. So they were all together at John Mark's mom's house. Man, imagine being invited to that prayer meeting. Peter's going to be executed tomorrow. Guys, we've got to keep praying. We've been praying for days. I know, but remember Jesus told that story about that woman we shouldn't give up? We can't give up. Let's keep praying. Well, what happened? Acts 12, 13. Peter knocked at the door. He knocked at the door and the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda We actually have her name in the Bible. I want to meet her in heaven. That would be an interesting story. And a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everybody, Peter's standing out the door. She didn't let him in. Ah, you're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they, they decided, well, it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. Guys, I'm out of prison. Let me in. They're not, they're not doing it. So he continued knocking. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. And he motioned for them to be quiet and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. And the last thing I'd like to remind us of today, if we want to pray bold, confident prayers, we need to pray expectantly. They didn't. They were praying for Peter to get out of prison. And when he was knocking on the door, they didn't believe that God actually had answered the prayer. They did pray earnestly. They did pray to the God who can do miracles, who rescued Daniel from the lion's den, rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the furnace. Oh, they're praying to that God, all right. They just didn't expect him to answer. And that could be you and me. This happens to me a lot. People will come and, uh, to meet with me, or they'll email me, or we'll pray over the phone. We'll pray about something, and then a couple days later or a week later, they'll call me and say, you'll never believe this. Everything we prayed for, that's exactly what happened. Do you believe that? I go, yes. And it kind of spoils the mood. So I pretty much learned to go, oh, wow, that's amazing, okay? But if we don't expect him to answer, why are we praying? It'd be like going to a party, and then people meet you at the door going, oh, wow, I can't believe you came. Well, I RSVP'd. Yeah, I know, but... I didn't think you'd show up. Well, I'm thinking about leaving. 
We are walking into the throne room of the God of heaven who loves us so much he sacrificed his own son to die in our place. All the wrath that should have been poured out on me for all my wickedness, stubbornness, and foolishness was poured out on Jesus instead. And Jesus said, I'll take all the punishment so you can go free. I'll die so you can live. And I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so you can access the throne room of heaven and ask God whatever you want. And then we go, God, I can't believe you heard me. And this is what Jesus meant. Will I find faith on the earth? If we said, God, I can't believe it. He'd go, that's the point. I'm real. I made the universe. I made you. I love you. I'm preparing a place for you in heaven. I've not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Trust me. Be willing to pray dangerous prayers. If you do, I'll give you life abundant, better than you could have ever imagined. Pray and expect me to answer. And no, it won't be comfortable. I'm stretching you on purpose because I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. Man. 1 John 5, 14, we're confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he'll give us what we ask for. Sheila Brown is a member of our church, and um, God has been working in her life on this topic for the last couple of years. And, in fact, uh, she has a a group of women that she prays with. Come on up, Sheila. Uh, She has a group of women that she prays with on a regular basis, and I just want you to hear a little bit about this. Sheila, if you'd grab a seat over there. Um, God has been stretching this dangerous prayer thing. You and I talked about this. Uh, He's been stretching you on this for a little while, hadn't he? Oh, yeah, he has. If you ask God, he will, he'll send you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And so tell us about the prayer group. There's a group you walk with and pray with, right? Uh, We have a group of women from my connect group and some other women sometimes come and uh, we walk for a, a little bit of time, maybe two, three miles, something like that. And we pray at that point in time. We pray what's on our hearts. It kind of started, we wanted to pray for our students when they were going back to school because of COVID and all the discord that was going on in the world, especially in our, in our particular community. We wanted to pray for that. So that's how it got started. And you organized this and that was a big step for you because it hadn't been that long before that that you were kind of intimidated to pray, pray in a group at all. Isn't that correct? That's true. A couple of years ago, uh, Dwayne and I were in Mike and Leslie Magoo's Connect group, and one day, I, everybody was just always praying so great, and I thought, I can't pray like that in front of people. So I went to Mike, and I just said, Mike, I really want to learn how to pray in the group, I want to push myself a little bit, and that's before we had done this courageous prayers. And I said, I really want you to help me with that. Well, I didn't know he was going to help me with that that day, but he did. He pushed me that very day. He said, Sheila's going to lead us in the closing prayer. <laughs> go, Mike. Yeah, best way to learn to swim, throw her in. There we go. It's uh, awesome. Yeah, when you pray, you guys pray for schools, you pray for the government, you pray for families, you pray for all kinds of stuff. Does everybody have to pray the same amount every time? 
No, in fact, you don't have to pray at all. There's a lot of people in our group that don't feel comfortable praying. And I'm not saying that I feel that comfortable praying. I really don't feel comfortable up here. But um, <laughs> um, you just pray what's on your heart. And it's amazing how God will work in you. When you're walking and you're talking and somebody is praying, then it just, it just comes to your heart to pray. And uh, I've seen some amazing women open up to God and just share what they want to share, whatever it is, if it's uh, your family, if you're having some issues with your family, or you just want to pray for the church, or um, whatever it is, it just, whatever comes to your heart, you just pray for it. And you can pray as long as you want, or just as little as you want. God listens to all of it, so it doesn't matter how long you pray. Sheila, I thought it was great, too, when you were telling me to get ready to pray. You did a couple of things. Do you mind sharing those, just to help yourself get ready to get up, to gain some confidence? Well, this was pretty much after the mic conversation. I thought, well, I really need to learn how to pray a little bit better. So what I actually did was I prayed in front of the mirror, but just by myself, my morning prayers. I just started with that, and then I would bug Dwayne and pray with him. And then when I felt comfortable enough, I went and prayed with some of my girlfriends. And it's, it's awesome how people can give you encouragement and some people I just think pray so well, like John does, and other people that I know, and I'm thinking, there's no way that I'm going to pray like that. I just, those words aren't going to come to you, but they do come to you. God puts them in your heart. So that's how I started. Then after that, with the Connect group, we, we changed from Mike and Leslie's, and we prayed to God about opening a Connect group, and so we started our own. So at that point in time, that pushed me a lot more because I had to pray every Connect group. <laughs> Yeah, and the reason that Sheila's up here today was she was doing those 21 days of prayer, and on one of the days in the last week or so, <laughs> she made a comment in there, oh, Lord, stretch me. Do whatever you want with me. So I called her. <laughs> I said, you're going to get up here with me. She goes, oh, okay, well, I got to think about it. She said, what would you have said if I said no? I'd have played the stretch me card, and I'd have said, oh, yeah. You know, I, get to, I work for God. I get to claim that. Okay, anyway. Um, but, it was, but it's been so wonderful because, and I guess this is the last thing here, you want to keep praying dangerous prayers, don't you? Because when God stretches you, it's not comfortable at the time, but it's amazing what the results are. Am I saying too much on that? No, that, it is amazing. In fact, I haven't even shared this with John. After the first service, somebody actually came up to me and they had a prayer request for some students that are going through some issues, uh, transgender issues. And she said she's going to send this um, to me so we can pray in our group. So, I mean, he is. He is working in all of us. So I thought that was really good that somebody actually came up and said that to me. So I think that was great. Whatever the issue, finances, relationships, the future, the past, addictions, fears, whatever, God wants us to pray bold, confident prayers. He's not promising he's not going to change us. In fact, it's just the opposite. He's promising he's going to change us a lot. But it's worth it. I'm going to ask you, Sheila, if you'd stand right here. We're going to pray together right now, and I'm going to put my hand on Sheila's shoulder. I'm going to let her stand in proxy for all of us that God would place his hand on our lives and that we wouldn't just hear this word. We would do what it says. Will you pray with me, please? God, I don't want to just hear about dangerous prayers. I want to pray dangerous prayers. I want you to put your hand on my shoulder. I want you to guide me. I want you to empower me. 
I want you to search me for things that don't belong there. And then I want you to break me of sinful habits and wrong thinking that are contradictory to what you plainly tell us in your word. I want you to send me wherever I need to go and surround me with other Christians who can encourage me and I can encourage them. Oh God, I want you to make us a praying church where we pray individually, we pray together, we pray about everything so we don't need to worry about anything. Oh God, I pray your blessings on Sheila and on her group. I pray that you will continue to stretch her and Dwayne. I pray that you'll stretch all of us. I don't want to stay the same. God, we're coming to the throne room of heaven and we're praying boldly and confidently for your grace and your mercy to be poured out in our lives because Jesus kicked open the door of the throne room of heaven and allowed us all to come in. Oh, we pray these things together, expecting you to answer. And Lord, that's the last thing. Will you give me confidence you're going to answer? No more doubts. I want that, Jesus. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.